go. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. We'll pick up in verse six for a second. You gotta, if you don't see how ignorant scripture is, you just ain't reading it right. Cain and Abel brought an offering before God. God looked at Abel's and he said, I'll receive that. He looked at Cain's and like, nope, that can't be for me. I don't know who that for, but that's for me. And Cain got angry. Look at God's response. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fell? If you do well, will you not be accepted? He said, Cain, do better. Don't get an attitude. Just do what you know you're supposed to be doing. You'll be fine. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. This has nothing to do with the message. Let me preach for a second. The power of God has given you everything that you need to rule over sin. Somebody say amen. Addiction has no authority in my life. Unforgiveness, anger, whatever it may be, I have the power to rule over it. Now Cain also talked, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him, killed him. Y'all, that escalated quickly, didn't it? We go from a bad day at church to just murder. By the way, Sometimes there's different things you get out of God's word. You get revelation out of God's word, encouragement. Sometimes you just need to read God's word to feel better about yourself. Sometimes I feel like a horrible parent until I read the Bible and realize my kids ain't killed each other yet. I am doing okay. Zoe has not murdered Roman. It got close. It got a little close, a little incident over Christmas over the Lego set, but we good. I'm doing better than Adam and Eve. I'm doing all right. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for your presence in the... God, where would we be if it wasn't for your grace, for your mercy on our life? God, we're thankful. God, we know that in this moment, it doesn't matter what our week was like, what our year was like. God, our best days are ahead of us. There's so much more that you have for us. God, I pray even now as you speak, that you transform our lives. And we preemptively make the decision that as you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen and amen and amen. We've been in a series over the last few weeks called It's Not a Game. It's not a game talking about managing our finances according to God's word and biblical principles. Here's what you've got to understand. Anything you care about, God cares about. 
Anything you're worried about, God's worried about. Anything that stresses you out, God has wisdom and God has principles in his word that will bring progress and bring moving forward in that. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God cares so much that he listens to your groans and your utterances. You ever woke up in the morning and just like, ugh. God's like, I heard that. I got you. I'm on it. That's how in touch he is with what's going on in our life. Here's the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I came that you could have a life indeed so that you could live life to the fullest. Some people think that all Jesus cares about is you going to heaven. I came so you go to heaven. No, no, no. He said, I came that you have life, eternal life. He said, but I also came that your life here on earth can be maximized, can be. He said, I came that you can have an abundant life. Any area of your life that is not maximized, God has wisdom, God has miracles, God has principles in his word that will move that area forward. Somebody shout amen. Matter of fact, can we take about a 10 second praise break? Anybody can already say that God is bringing my life into a place of fullness. He's brought me to places that I didn't even know was possible. I didn't know life could be this good, but he's brought me there. And, 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 and you ain't seen nothing yet. But you ain't seen nothing. There's so much more that he has for you. But here's what I've noticed. That there's some people that read God's word and apply God's word to their life. And they get the results that God's word says that they would get. There's other people that read God's word, apply it to their lives, and they don't get the results that God's word. I've discovered that the Bible doesn't work for everybody. Ooh, that's a big statement. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, what are they doing wrong? So I can make sure I don't do that. <laughs> All right? I need this thing to work for me. I don't want to be like the people that don't work for me. And, and I, I watch people who, who, who the word doesn't work for them, and I noticed something. It, it, it's it's kind of like this. You ever had a family member, maybe a grandmother, aunt, uncle, or whatever it may be, that, that they were really good at cooking this dish? You called them and like, hey, can I get that recipe? Maybe it's their seven cheese macaroni or their stuffing or whatever it may be. And you, you call them up and like, hey, can I get the, the right? And, and they give you over the phone and the recipe and all that kind of stuff. And then after you hang up the phone, you realize that one of the ingredients you don't have. Never happened to you? And you're like, I am not going to the supermarket right now. So you go into, and they say, you need two tablespoons of margarine. I got no margarine. All right, so I'm going to do a little bit of oil, do a little bit of Crisco, mix that up. And it's as good as margarine. All the cooks said that is not one margarine. What did you do? You substituted. You like, oh, it's going to work, it's going to work. And, and you do the recipe almost like grandma told you. And then when you're done, you put it in front of your family. And your family says, ooh. It's not like, it don't quite taste like, or even worse. You look at the recipe like, you, I don't have that and I'm not leaving the house. I'm pretty sure it's not necessary. And then you, now you don't know what you got. Here's what God's word works, but no substitutes. God's word works, but you can't pick and choose which aspects of it you're going to use and then expect it to produce in your life. It's all or nothing. 
And what I find is people hear God's recipe and then they said, uh, I don't really have time for that. Let me substitute it with this. This, this is just as good. And they wonder why they got this nasty casserole. And they're like, that wasn't the recipe. And when it comes to our finances, God's recipe is four principles. Somebody say four. Four, four principles. Not two, not seven, four. We've been unpacking these four principles over the last few. The first one we talked about last week is the principle of increase. I've got to work. Work ain't a curse. And if I become good at something, I multiply it and I take dominion, I will see that thing increase in my... Increase is a principle. We're talking about another principle next week. Y'all going to love next week. It's all about budgeting. It's going to be fun. It's the principle of stewardship. That is, I've got to live on less than I make. I've got to have a plan. I've got to invest. Do you know saving for retirement is biblical? God, and he, and he said this. He, he, here's the verse. He said, take your seed and cast it in multiple places, for you do not know which one will return a harvest. What does that mean? Diversify your portfolio. Don't put all your money in the same place because you don't know which one's going to grow and which one's going to go bankrupt. He has principles for stewardship. That's number two. The third principle is the principle of first. It's the principle of tithing, putting God first in our finances. And then we'll talk about this today, the principle of sowing and reaping. That's the principle of hearing from God and being generous according to the direction of God. Somebody say foe. I feel like bro man from, uh, from a Martin, fifth flow. <laughs> There's four principles, not three. I brought this stool up to kind of demonstrate. Here, 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 here's a stool. How many legs does it have? Four legs, right? How many people would sit on this stool? It, it, it looks like a sturdy stool. I've got, I've got four legs on this stool. As long as I have four legs, I'm good to put my, my weight on it. I, somebody say four legs. I've got tithing. I've got working hard with increase. I've got stewardship. I've got being generous. But here's what I find for so many people, every area of their life, but particularly when it comes to their finances. They'll say, ah, I don't like all four principles. I only need three. Question, any volunteers to sit on this stool? <laughs> They're like, nah, bro, I don't even know why you sat it on in the first place. The production team is so worried because pastors have been taking L on Instagram all week. So they're like, pastor, we can't have you falling. Let me, let, and here, here's what people do. They'll, they'll say, Pastor, I, 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 I don't like all four. I'm all about the hard work. I'll tithe. I'll even be generous. But that budgeting stuff, I ain't, I ain't about that life. YOLO, you only live once, all right? And then we wonder why our foundation is unstable. Or they'll say, I'll work hard. Pastor, pastor I'm, going, I'm going budget. I'm even going to give and be generous, but I don't believe in tithing. And they wonder why their foundation is unstable. <laughs> Forgive me for being a little ignorant. It don't work that way. You don't get to pick and choose which of God's principles you apply to your life. And it's all or nothing. And over this series, we've been unpacking. These are the four things. If you tithe and don't work hard, you will lack Tithing isn't this one-off magic wand that, oh, God's got to take care of everything else for me because I put it. Does it? It's all for, somebody say amen. amen. 
Today, we're unpacking those two principles, the principle of first and the principle of sowing and reaping. Write this down for me. Write this down. Point number one, first means first. Come on, that's deep. That's deep. Y'all, I've been working on this message all week long. That was the hard. First means that's good. That's good. That's good. In this passage with Cain and Abel, uh, Adam and Eve, first man, first woman, they had their first child, Cain. Cain was a farmer. Cain is planting corn and wheat and, and mangoes and all this different type of stuff. And then you have Abel. Abel is the second born, and Abel was a shepherd, a rancher. He, he would take care of sheep and goats and all this different kind. And the Bible says after amount of time, and words in the Bible are careful. Let me see if you can catch what went wrong says that Cain brought an offering to God. Abel brought his firstborn to God. Did you catch that? Cain brought an offering. Abel brought his first. One biblical principle for our finances is tithing. Maybe you've heard that term before. Tithing does not just mean 10%. We're to give God 10% of it. And here's what it means. The first 10%. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or soil or fruit from the trees, watch this, it belongs to God. The first time, it's not yours to keep. It belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Where it is? With the first fruits of all your increase. I, I, I'm grateful. I, and I'm not just saying this. I am grateful that I was raised by a father who loved God and honored God and discipled his family before he discipled his church. My dad led us in an amazing way. And, and I say that to say he taught me tithing before I even had an income. My dad taught us tithing. A lot of who I am with tithing and generosity and all of that kind of stuff is because of what he taught and the example that he set. And I'm going out of my way to honor my father who's watching right now because I'm about to trash him. So I got to make sure that I honor him as best as I possibly can. Dad, don't say I never said nothing nice about you. I'm grateful that he taught me tithing now. Back then, I was ticked off. Listen, when you're teaching a nine-year-old how to tithe, it's, it's, I, I hated that he was teaching. I may have hated him. And here's why. Because he would teach me on my birthday. <laughs> now you hate him too. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. Do you remember being nine, 10, 11, 12 years old when they first started giving you cash for your birthday? You remember that? And it's just like, oh, I'm bald. I used to go to my uncle's aunt's, be like, don't even buy me any gifts. Your style is whack anyway. Just give me, just give me cash and I'll, I'll take care of it. And this is back in the day where Air Forces at Shoe City were only 90 bucks. They're like a buck 50 right now. But back then it was like $90. And I'm just like, if I get $90 for my birthday, I'm going to give me some forces. And I was pumped. And all I wanted for my birthday was cards, envelopes. Don't write no wrapping gifts. I just want envelopes. And, and I'd sit there and I'd open the first card. Words, words, words. I ain't reading that. $30. Y'all, this is my favorite uncle. $30. Open the next card. Words, words, words. 
God ain't going to bless you. And I, I go through all my, and finally when I'm done, like, let's say forces were like nine, it always happened this way. If the forces were $90, I would end up with like $92 for my birthday. And I'm pumped, y'all. Now, 92 with taxes, that ain't going to help. But mama always used to pay for the taxes. I got my money for my four. And I'm the, you have never seen greed in a human until you see a nine-year-old count money. I mean, When I was counting that birthday loot, it was just like, let me tell you, we about to go turn up in this mall. And next thing you know, this shadow would come over. And I'm like, hey, I ain't that, I'm not that bright back then. My dad was like, how much did you get? Dad, I got 90. I shouldn't have told him. I got $92 about to get me some forces. And then he would say this. He said, how much are you going to give to God? Give to God. <laughs> Y'all can understand. I was an ignorant kid. I was like, it's not God's birthday. It's my birthday. God's birthday is Christmas. We can worry about him when we get it. This is my, and, and my dad said, no, no, no. We're Christians. And we give God 10% of everything that we receive. I'm, y'all, you have no idea how ignorant I was. I'd be like, well, if I got a remote control car, would God take 10% of my remote control car? He's not going to cut a tire off and take that one. And he's like, no, we tithe. How much are you going to... And, and that's okay. You got $92. You need to give $10 to God. Now, I wasn't that bright, but I knew my numbers. I'm like, Dad, $10 is not 10% of $92. I'm giving God $9.20. Can somebody break a single for me? <laughs> My dad said, no, no, no. Tithing is the bare minimum. And Chandler's never do the bare minimum. And I'm like, well, can I be the first one? <laughs> I mean, I hated it. And somebody asked me last time, well, after you tithe, would he kind of make up the difference? No. By the way, dad, you missed the sowing and reaping principle. You were supposed to bless me when I honor God anyway. <laughs> I hated it then. I love it today because the numbers are a little bit bigger today, but I already fought that fight and I don't wrestle the way that some people wrestle when they receive their paycheck on the first and 15th and they're like, but God didn't work for this. 10% first, first means first. It, 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 it may sound like, like inner, Pastor, Pastor, why, why, you, why you gotta say first me first? Because you people be tripping. Pastor, is, is it gross or is it net? <laughs> Conversations that don't need to be had. Is it gross or net? First means, well, I tithe off of what I take home. Well, by the time it gets to your home, the government has taken theirs. Health insurance has gotten theirs. Retirement has gotten theirs. And if I give to God then, that means God is number four. First means, you know the shadiest people out there are the business owners? Y'all some shady people. How much you make this year? I didn't make anything, Pastor. I, I, didn't, I, didn't make, I didn't take anything home. Yeah, but you paid your mortgage out of the business. You went to Cancun out the business. You bought them tennis shoes. They were business expenses. Really? First means first. 
And not, listen, we're not talking legalism. We're talking principles. So I get paid on the 1st and the 15th, and, and I give online 1st and 15th. If Zai goes to Wegmans and, and she buys food on the 1st before the tithe come out of our offer, does that mean we're cursed? No. So y'all... Well, you said first means first, is that? God's not watching it at that level. But he's saying, am I first in your... Do you know why it has to be first? Because it only takes faith for the first. Nothing else takes faith. Think about it. Here it is. Abel, his sheep gives birth to a lamb. And he's got one. He doesn't know if another one is coming. He doesn't know if the other lambs that come are going to be crippled, are going to be blind, are going to be able to reproduce. As far as he knows, this could be the only lamb he gets. It takes faith to take that one lamb and say, God, I give this unto you. I don't know what's coming next, but God, you're first in my life. Now imagine if his sheep gives birth to 10 lambs. He's got 10 lambs, and he lets them grow for six months, eight months, and, he's got, and now he's like, all right, which one am I going to give to God? Oh, that one's crippled, a little cross-eyed, a little crooked naked. That one belongs to God. I'm a... <laughs> when we give God the leftovers, it takes no faith. And tithing, God is trying to activate our... Here's the thing. It's not that God didn't want to take Cain's offering. It's that he could not. Because he said, I am number one in the world. And it's impossible for me to take a second or third position to anything because it's not who I am. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God You've got to believe that he's real and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why would I give God first? Because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, pastor, I I would tithe, but I don't know where the money's going. I don't know how the church uses the money. Oh, we about to get real today. Pastor, Pastor, I, I would tie, but you know, churches today, they just money hungry, all these preachers doing, they just try to get rich off of people. You ain't, no, you got to wake up earlier than that to get me. You ain't going to get me. No, sirree. Pastor, what would you say to that? Can I say something crazy? I'd say you're right. And I'd also say it's not new. Actually, if you read the Bible, they came to Paul and they said, Paul, some people are preaching just to get money. Some people are out here preaching and manipulating people out of what they have. And you know what Paul said? Paul said, leave them be. And then Paul says the scariest thing in the entire Bible. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, God will take care of them. Bruh, I'm kind of scared of the IRS. I'm really scared of God. All the IRS could do is throw you in jail. God, he'd be opening up the ground. Your whole family falls in, just close the ground up over you, just like... What happened to them? I don't know. He just one second they were Here's what Paul said. Paul said, God is not mocked. Yes, there's people that take advantage and manipulate and all that, but God is the God of his church, and he will hold accountable everybody who abuses his children. He said, leave them the God, and you honor God. 
Union Church, we do everything we possibly can to be one of the most trustworthy organizations you've ever encountered. All of our finances are managed by an external accounting firm. We have a board of trustees that review our finances every single year to see where every single dollar goes. I have threatened the staff with their life. Listen, every penny you spend is somebody's tithe money, somebody's off. Do not be frivolous with people's sacrifice. But can I say something really bold? Your tithing is not about your relationship with an organization. It's about your relationship with God. Okay, we're going to laugh in two seconds. Can I read that? Oh, my God, did God really say that verse? You ready? Malachi 3.8. He said, will a man rob God? He said, yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? He said, here's how. The tithes and in the offering. Now, you've got to understand, when I preach, I'm really theatrical. So I read that that way on purpose. I could have said, will a man rob God? How have we robbed you? Through the tithe and the offering. <laughs> that was pretty good, right? Pray for me. I need, I read it. Hopefully you heard the sadness in my voice. Because I feel like that's the sentiment that God wrote it with. I, are you really going to rob me? Do you not see all that I have for you? I'm getting ready to open the windows and you're going to begrudge me 10 minutes. Really? I've got so much more for you. Write this down. Every promotion has a test. Every pro- You don't get your driver's license without a test. You don't get to go to grad school without a test. You don't get to become a doctor, thank God. Without passing a test. Well, you cut me open. Let me see that degree and your continued learning. God help us. Every promotion has a test. Here's the problem. We have a lot of people commenting on God's ways who do not know God's character. And if you don't know God's character, you will never understand his ways. And you've got a lot to say about him, but you don't know him. Why would God ask me to give the first 10% of my hard work income, especially when he knows things are tight or this or whatever? Why? If you don't know the character of God, you may say, well, he's asking me to give because he never wants me to have too much. God God doesn't want me to be too big or too high. He knows things, ruins people, and he wants to keep me humble and struggling so I'll live by faith. That's not biblical. The Bible says that God desires to take you to a place where you lack nothing. We're going to go on in in a verse at the end of the message where it says he wants you to have more than you need so that you can be generous on everything. His goal is not to keep you struggling. God wants me to tie because he's trying to keep me humble. If I have too much, I won't be humble. I need to be humble. I mean, so humble, I can't even afford the H. I'm just humble. <laughs> it's not about humility. Can I say something crazy? I know some prideful tithers. Then why? Here's why. Because he's trying to activate your faith. Because God said, there's so much that I've got to get to you. 
but I'm not allowed to give it to you without your faith receiving it. So on the first and 15th or the first or whenever you get paid, he said, I'm going to create something that causes you to use your faith so I can respond to that faith. Here's what the Bible says in Malachi chapter three, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I like that word all because it kind of doesn't even make sense. Say, bring all the tithe is like saying, bring 100% of the 10%. Why don't you just say, bring the 10%? You know why he said, bring all the tithes? You guessed it, because you people be tripping. Pastor, I tithe, I just don't tithe to the church. I give 5% to my church. I give 5% to missionaries. I give 2% to this old lady. I, I actually give more than 10%. Yeah, you do, but you're not tithing. Because in order for it to be a tithe, he said it needs to be all of it to, what's the storehouse? To the place where you're being fed. And the only reason I think I can divide my tithe is when I really think that it belongs to me. Because if it belongs to me, then I have the right to give it to wherever I want. But if I understand the first, here's why. The Bible never says give your tithes. It always says bring them. Why? Because you can't give something that don't belong to you. He said, no, 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 no. That's mine. Hey, let me give you an example. Any of y'all ever gave your kids money for food? They, they were going with their friends, going to the mall or something like that. He said, hey, here's $20 to buy you an $11 meal. Huh? And then you pick them up, they jump back in your car, they come home, and what do you do? Run me my change. Huh? Imagine you say, where's the other $9? It was only $11 meal. And they say, oh, you know, James' mom didn't give me any food, so, so I bought James a Cinnabon. Well, I'm glad you're generous, but that wasn't your money. You don't have the right to be generous with something that doesn't belong to you. He said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God is just gangster. He said, try me. Test me in this, says the Lord. Do you know what host is? That's angels' armies. He said, I am the general of angels. Some of you are like, wait, he about to shake me down? No, calm down. Read the rest of the verse. He said, try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Watch this. And he said, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12 is my favorite one. He said, and all your friends are going to say you're blessed. He said, people around you that don't have God first in their life, they will call you blessed for you will be delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. God says, I am trying to bless you. I am trying to get something to you. I'm trying to protect you from the enemy stealing, but you've got to put me first. So let's unpack the verse. He said, 10%, the first 10%, it belonged to me. He said, bring it to the place where you're receiving. Bring it to the storehouse. And, and, and here's a wild deal. We have got this erroneous teaching that I tithe to get money from God. 
that if I give God 10%, he's going to multiply it 100% and he's going to increase my salary or whatever it may be. That comes from the erroneous teaching that blessings and money is synonymous. Blessing and money is not synonymous. So what people say is, well, I, don't, I can pay my bills. I already got more than enough. I don't need to tithe because I don't need to be a part of God's financial system. That's not what the verse said. So bring the whole tithe into the house. Watch this. So that there may be food in my house. This is God's house. What's the food of the church? The word of God. The Bible says that this is the bread of life. You ever heard super spiritual people say, I left that church because I wasn't being fed spiritually. (laughs) Y'all laughing because some of y'all said that before. Anyway. No, no, no. Hopefully, you come to Union Church to hear God's word. Not my opinion, but God's word to be fed spiritually. Can I say something real bold? And please don't walk out. I'll clean it up at the end. If you don't tithe, you can't eat here. That's strong. You ready for me to clean it up? I didn't say I won't feed you. I said you won't be able to receive anything that was fed. If you don't tithe, you can sit in a word and you will hear the message. But it won't transform your life. And it has nothing to do with me. Pastor, are you trying to tell me that if I don't tithe, I'm not really receiving from the message? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) Can, Can I give you this example? Because it's really difficult to eat the food of someone you've stolen from. You ever borrowed money from somebody, from a family member, from it's the rich side of the room, we go to broke folks. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me look at the camera. Okay, let me flip, sorry, I messed this all the way up. Let me flip this analogy. Has anyone ever borrowed money from you? There we go. You're the lender, not the borrower. You, you, you ever had somebody borrow money from you? Maybe a friend, maybe a family member, and they didn't pay you back? Okay, I just got to vent this for a second. You ever had somebody borrow money from you, they didn't pay you back, but you saw them go on vacation? Oh, you can afford to go to Jamaica, but you can't run me my $100. Is that what it is? They're like, well, you don't take credit or I'd have paid you back. Anyway. No, seriously. Have you ever had somebody owe you money? And you ran into them and you said hi? And what did they say? I'm getting paid at the end of the month. I got you. As soon as I... And they said... I wasn't even talking about what you owe me, but since you brought me up, it's $329.27. Owing money changes a relationship. That person is now forever running from you. Because even if you don't bring it up, they know that there's something that's not right. But by the way, can, this is next Sunday's message. But can I challenge you? Forgive the debt. That's what Jesus would do. Just, just let it go. Let it go. Okay, anyway. So watch this. God says the first 10% that we have belongs to him. We keep it instead of returning it to him. You don't even realize this, but you walk into church with a heart of, I got you. I know, I know, I know. I, I, I. And you can't even hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Because subconsciously you know, I've kept something that's holy unto God. Prove it. 
I could preach one of the most encouraging messages ever and somebody leaves feeling condemned. Man, I just feel awful. Oh, man, I really feel... It wasn't the message. It was in my heart. I know that there's something I'm keeping that, that belongs to God. And he said, I'm not, I'm not keeping this. I'm not asking for this because I, I want to hurt you. I'm trying to get some. I'm trying to throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. And by the way, blessing is not money. Blessing is peace. Blessing is health. Blessing is thriving relationships. Blessing is business ideas that I couldn't come up with my own. Blessing is favor with influential. God said, don't tell me how to bless you, but I just trust I'm a bless you. And, by, and here's the way that God blesses. Any of y'all got a four-year-old that likes to pour their own cereal? It is the greatest disaster on plan. I got, a, I got an overconfident four-year-old. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, I got it. I got it, Daddy. He poured a Fruit Loops all over the table. And then he gets the cereal. And I mean, he thinks that you dump it upside down. And then you turn, and I mean, just milk everywhere, cereal. God says, that's the type of blessing I want to pour in your life. Like a four-year-old ruining it. If I tithe, will God give me more money if that's the blessing that you need? But if healing is a blessing or... He said, I'll rebuke the devourer. What does that mean? That means I'll keep the enemy from stealing from you. You ever got a bonus check? And your transmission went out the same time. And the transmission cost the same as the bonus check. And you didn't feel very bonus. <laughs> Real talk. Your bonus got devoured. God says, I'll rebuke the devourer. I, I saw something in scripture I've never seen before in my life. And y'all, that's a big statement. Like, I've read the entire Bible cover to cover probably 30 plus times. And I, I was so excited when I saw it. I went running out of my office, told some staff, I've seen someone. And they said, Pastor, you mean you have a new revelation? I said, no, no, I've never seen this before. So some of y'all really know your words. For those of you, to catch, I'll be in the lobby afterward. Catch me. Let me know if you've ever seen this before. Don't turn to it yet. But Mark chapter 4, it's the parable about the seeds. So it, it, there's this story where Jesus said, God's word is like seed that is sown, but it lands on four different types of ground. So the first seed falls on the sidewalk and birds come and snatch up the seed so it can't produce it. Birds represent demonic spirits. He said, some of it, the enemy just chokes out. Some seed falls on rocky soil and it grows up really, really quickly. But when the sun burns on it and it doesn't have deep roots, it scorches and dies. You ever seen somebody get saved the first Sunday they come to church? Next thing you know, they're at every prayer meeting, every connect group, finish growth track in three weeks, and then three weeks later, you never see them again. Sprung up real fast, burn out real fast. Said so the third falls among thorny soil. And when it grows up, the thorns choke it out and it produces no fruit. The fourth falls on good soil. Somebody say, that's me. Come on, just by faith, somebody say, that's me. And it said that good soil produces a harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold. Okay, Mark chapter 4, verse 18, it says this. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. 
Somebody say unfruitful. Okay, Columbia, you ready? Here's what I saw that I've never seen before. Four grounds, four places seeds were sown. I always assumed three seeds died, only one lived. Track this. Two seeds died, two lived. Seed on the sidewalk, birds took it, it's gone. Seed on the rocky soil, sprung up, sun burnt it, it's gone. The seed among thorns, I thought the thorns choked it out and it died. That's not what it said. It said the thorns choked it out and it produced no fruit. It didn't say that it died. It said it didn't produce anything. So picture a corn stalk with no corn on it. Picture an apple tree with no apples. It's alive. It's not producing. Pastor, do I have to tithe for God to love me? Absolutely not. Hear me very carefully. God could not love you more than he loves you right now. God loved you before you were even a Christian. The Bible says, wow, we were yet sinners. He loved us enough to die for us. Pastor, do I have to tithe to go to heaven? Hear me carefully. Absolutely not. Your eternity is based on the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and nothing else. Hold on. If tithing isn't for God's love and it's not for my salvation, why would I tithe? Because if you don't, you will be a fruitless Christian. I came up with a very ignorant way to say it for service. And I'm so, y'all ready for the ignorance? Here's what a fruitless Christian is. It's somebody who's going to heaven, but you can't tell. That's ignorant, right? That's, that's pretty. <laughs> no, no, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. I love God and I'm going to heaven, but I've got no peace and I'm tormented. I'm overwhelmed by stress and I love God and I'm going to heaven, but my life is not progressing at all. I'm marching around the same situation year after year after year after. I love God and I'm going to heaven, but the enemy, as the old folks used to say, is running roughshod all through my life, taking whatever he, I belong to God. You just can't tell. Because I don't have any of the results that a believer should have. Why? Because my fruit is being choked out by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and my desire for stuff. What's the cares of this world? It's when I care more about the school my kid gets into than I care about Jesus being the Lord of my life. This is the deceitfulness. You know the deceitfulness of riches is? It's that money lies. Money will write checks that only God can cash. For example, money will say, if you have more of me, you'll be safe. If you have more of me, people will respect you. If you have more of me, then you'll matter and you'll be somebody in this. And God says, no, no, I'm the only one that can do those things. Money is lying to you. God is saying, I've given you this tithing principle so that you can have, but it won't choke out your faith. Try to awaken your faith so that I can get the promises of heaven to you. Bold statement, then we'll laugh. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all types of evil. 
It doesn't say money is evil. It says when you love money. And most people use money is great. Just don't love it. Can I say something crazy? You love money. This guy just wilded out today, ain't he? I'm having fun. All right, let me make it more pastoral. We love money. Pastor, I don't love money. I love God. No, no, you love money. Pastor, your greedy self may love money, but I love God. He ain't talking to me. I ain't, no, okay, wait. No, no, you love money. How do you know? Because if you didn't love money, then why is it so hard to get it out your hand? Why do we hold on so tight to it? And I'm not just talking about tithing, but some of us, we give people money, and then we watch them for the next three years. I wouldn't have bought that car if I were you. First of all, you gave them $50. Calm down. Second of all, you didn't really give them that money. You put it in their hand, but you never let it go. You tracked it everywhere it went because we, we love it. And God says, I got to get more of it to you, but I can't if it's your idol because it will steal from you instead of give to you. Last thing is just write this down. The seed will produce. The seed, the seed will produce. The seed will produce. Y'all, watch this. Tithing is elementary school. Tithing, tithing, babies. God said, that's, that's the first step. And I've got to get you out of tithing so we can have some real fun. He, he said, I want to get you to the place where you're now stepping into offerings. An offering is when I give over and above my 10%. Watch this. The tithe biblically is required to come to the house where you worship, but an offering can go anywhere God tells you to send it. So when I buy lunch for a coworker because the Holy Spirit told me to, guess what that was? That was an offering. The Bible says anything that I do for somebody else is as if I did it unto the Lord. When I have a niece and I buy her textbooks for college this year, I didn't just buy her textbooks. That was an offering, not just to my niece, but unto And God says, that's where the fun begins. First, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your so God will give you two things. He'll give you seed. Somebody say seed. And he'll give you bread. What does that mean? God will give you what you need for your needs, and he'll give you seed to sow. By the way, stop sowing your bread. Stop giving away things that God is giving you to live off of. What does that mean? It means don't give your rent money away. Pastor, the Lord told me to give my rent in a limitless offering. No. He didn't. Huh? Now you homeless in faith. No. <laughs> Pay your bills. He said, I'll give you seed. But he said, I will increase the seed, which is righteousness. Verse 11, you will be made rich. I knew it wasn't that money hungry, pastors. I told you. In every way. Is this verse only talking about money? 
He said, I'll give you more than you need in every way, in peace, in joy, in wisdom, in purpose, in favor, and in money. Money is included, but it is not the sole thing it's talking about. He said, I will make you rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. I was messing with my dad before and making fun of him, but I'm telling you, my dad is the most generous person I've ever encountered in my life. Immigrated from the island of Barbados, and if you're an immigrant, you know you always have family members that are trying to get over or whatever it may be, people that, that have bills and cons- And I would watch my dad write checks and just hand it to people that he knew would not pay him back. My mom with five kids, she'd be like, Run! <laughs> And not that my mom didn't have faith. She just had five kids. And I would, he didn't even notice. I don't know. I would hear them arguing. He said, D, my mom's name was Denise. He called her D. He said, D, God will provide. If we give, God will provide. And that, that generosity spirit, it jumped on me from young. Remember this principle of sowing. And I remember when God tattooed it on my heart. 18 years old. It was almost time to go off to college. It was right at the end of the, the senior year of school. And actually, it was the first week of August. We were sitting in church, and they had this testimony service. Anybody grew up with testimony service? Where people would get, I want to thank the Lord for waking me up this morning and putting my feet on solid ground. And then they would go on and complain for the rest of the time. And I'm like, this is, this is not a testimony. This is a complainimony. One Sunday, my dad's church testimony gets up, and this young man gets up, and he said, I want to thank the Lord. And he said, church, I need your prayer. Y'all, it's a testimony, not a prayer meeting. He said, the engine of my car just went up, and my car's not working, and, and I need God to bless me with the car, and I take my mom to work, and, and if I can't take her to work, we can't pay the bills. We're going to lose. Can you pray that, that God will help me get a car? You know, I'm a good Christian. I'm back in the room. I'm like, God bless him. God, you have a Cadillac on a thousand hills. God, provide. I remember sitting in church, and I was on the production team. I was sitting in the production booth, and as clear as day, I heard the Holy Spirit say, you give him your car. I responded like every other man of God will respond. I said, Satan, get thee behind me. How dare you interrupt me in the house of God? Because this cannot be God. (laughs) By the way, Satan would never tell you to be generous. And I'm, you ever ignored God and it just got more intense? And the more I was like, it got to the point where I literally physically felt conviction in my chest. And I'm like, I better obey this man before he kills me. So after church, just standing in the lobby, different food, I walk up to this guy and I'm like, I got to do it now or I'm never going to do it. I walk up and I said, hey, I'm going to give you my car. He looked at me like, oh, thanks for letting me loan you, borrow your car. That's awesome. I'll return it. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you my car. He said, what did you say? I was like, I have no idea. Just, <laughs> just, just go with it, okay? Marilyn, apparently you're not give, allowed to give cars away, so I sold him the car for a dollar four weeks before school. And, and you got, this is why you got to have good faith. So I was watching, you know, some of those guys, and I'm like, okay, I gave away my Toyota Camry in 1996 with camouflage rust on the side. So God's going to bless me with a Hummer H2 with 24-inch rims, that when the car stops, the rims keep on spinning with a 26-inch sub in the truck. Lord, bless me in need. God is my witness. And every Hummer that drove by, I receive, I receive, I receive, I receive. 
Been about 18 years, still waiting on that Hummer. <laughs> it's amazing how we mix faith and presumption at the same time. A week before I'm going to school, my dad comes to me. I tell you, he was generous. He owned his own business. He said, Stephen, a client that I had forgot to pay me back in April. Nobody forgets to pay my dad. He said, the check came in. I don't need it. Here you go. Go buy a car. I went out and bought a 1996 Lexus LS 400 illegal tits, 12-inch rim in the track. Bruh, I rolled up to College Park freshman year like, ah, bless me in D. I am not preaching give to get. I gave the Lexus away. And I went on to give three more cars away after that. Here's the point. You can never outgive God. And when he puts seed in your hand, if you're careful to make sure that that seed doesn't get planted in your life, but you say, God, who's this for? Is this for my niece? Is this for my coworker? Or is this bread for me? And he'll tell you. And if you sow wherever he tells you to sow, not, yes, sow in the union church, but this is not the only place that God's going to tell you to sow. He may tell you to sow in an unbeliever's life to lead them to Jesus. The most fun you can have with money is being somebody else's miracle. I've bought cars, I've bought houses, I've, I've gone on vacation. It's all amazing. None of it will bring the level of joy is when God says, you see that person over there? Give him $500. 500 <sighs> Okay. You walk. You know how we all discuss, hey, um, God laid you on my heart. We put it on him because I'm not saying you're broke. I'm just saying God laid you on my heart and I just wanted to bless you with this. Now, y'all a lot more. When I do that, I want to see tears instantly. I want to be like, <laughs> That's what I want. Sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they say thank you and they walk off. Sometimes they waste it on shoes and you just want to. <laughs> but you will never experience a greater joy with money than when God uses you to be the answer to somebody's prayer. God said, let's get over this tithing thing. Let, let's get to the place where I can use you as a conduit to be a blessing to this world I've placed you in. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, it is wild that in everything you're doing here on earth, God, you want to include us. God, you want us to be your hands and be your feet. God, we're grateful. I'm not going to lie, God, this was a tough one. It was a little tight today. It was a little tight. It was a little tight. Some of us realize that we've been stealing from you. But your word said that the old has passed away and all things have become new. So God, today we're asking that you'd forgive our past. God, that today would be a fresh start. God, we're putting you first in our lives. While we are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time and to make this message personal to you. The greatest question that you could ever ask yourself is not, do I give to God? But is, is Jesus the center of my life? 
God's more concerned about your heart than he is about your money. What he's asking is, am I number one in your heart? So I want to ask you today, is Jesus the center of who you are? Notice I didn't say, do you go to church? I didn't say, do you believe in God? I said, is Jesus the center of your existence? If he isn't, he needs to be. Because that's the only place where life and abundant life comes from. So whether he was at a period of your life and somehow you just got off track or, Pastor, I didn't even know that Jesus wanted to be a part of my life. Well, he does. And this is your moment to respond. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to put Jesus back into the rightful place in my life, right where you are. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for putting me first. Thank you for coming to earth and dying on the cross for my sin and for my mistakes. In this moment, right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person?